Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us please stand and affirm with the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostolic Guardian to your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Please be seated. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. The return to the ancient path of goodness. To look at the foundation of our study of the ancient path of goodness, we turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who, by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in short and concise definitions, was able to formulate the contents of the order present in the teaching of Christ. Hebrews 6, 1-2, this place of scripture is presented by our pastor, Brother Arkadi, in an extended version of the translation so that we can understand the essence and the value and the importance of this place of scripture. Therefore, sprinkling ourselves with the reigning teachings of Christ and having been clothed in the armor of light contained in the reign of this teaching, let us go on to perfection and build ourselves into the house of God, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. In a certain format, as much as God and the level of our faith have allowed us, we have already studied the doctrine of baptisms in its three functions, baptism in water, Holy Spirit, and fire, as well as the doctrine of laying on of hands in three functions, the covenant of blood, salt, and rest. And we've stopped to study the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. The doctrine of the resurrection of the dead contains in itself three levels of birth, which in their union are defined by Scripture as being born of God. John chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, the dialogue of Jesus with Nicodemus. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He who is born of the flesh is flesh, but born of the Spirit is spirit. From the semantic meaning of this dialogue, it follows that birth from the water and the Spirit opens the door to entry into the kingdom of heaven or the possibility to be born to the throne. 
in a certain format, we in the doctrine of resurrection already looked at the level of birth from water and have stopped to study the level of birth from the Spirit. We have noted that birth from the Spirit in the twelve foundations of the walls of heavenly Jerusalem is the eighth and is made out of the precious stone barrel. Studying the meaning of the name of the Apostle engraved on the eighth foundation of the walls of heavenly Jerusalem, we came to the conclusion that this is Matthew the tax collector or Levi Alphaeus. Together the four names of the Apostle Matthew the tax collector called Levi Alphaeus means the famous messenger of the Father called to collect what is holy unto the Lord in the face of the chosen in order to bind them to the choicest grape vine. And in a certain format, we have already studied the powers contained in the name Matthew the tax collector. And therefore, today, let us turn to the powers contained in birth from the Spirit. What is birth from the Spirit? How does it reveal itself, show itself, and how is birth from the Spirit revealed in us, Christians? And let's look at these components, and we'll turn directly to the first one. First, birth from the Spirit in the doctrine of resurrection of the dead is the door, the door to the entrance to the kingdom of heaven or the door to reigning with Christ on his throne. Again, John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, says Jesus to Nicodemus. Specifically, at the level of birth from the Spirit, a person receives the opportunity to bind himself to the Holy Spirit, and thus be led by the Holy Spirit. Whereas God in this moment receives the opportunity to establish himself in his Father, or as his Father, as it is written in Romans 8, 14-16. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We should remember that a person who has been baptized in the Holy Spirit in a state of infancy remains carnal and does not yet become spiritual because he is incapable of being led by the Holy Spirit. For this, he needs to be born from the Spirit. Because birth from the Spirit is directly, re directly related to baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, he who is baptized in the Holy Spirit, he must come to birth from the Spirit. Because when a person receives baptism in the Holy Spirit with the gift of tongues, this does not make him spiritual despite the fact that there is spiritual manifestation being made in him, but these are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Yet, uh, we know that children uh, receive the gift of tongues, but this doesn't mean that they have become spiritual. Spiritual they will become when they will be born from the Spirit. And this will take a lot of time. The functions of birth from the Spirit should not be mixed with the functions contained in baptism in the Holy Spirit. Upon baptism in the Holy Spirit, we are immersed in the de death of Christ, whereas upon birth from the Spirit, we are clothed in the power of His resurrection. If someone is not born from water and Spirit, he cannot be called to the throne, inherit the throne, and sit on the throne. Birth from the Spirit transforms a person from being carnal to spiritual and brings into his genetic program the nature of the Spirit, 
the life of the Spirit, opportunities of the Spirit, capabilities of the Spirit, and the powers of the Spirit. Birth from the Spirit brings the nature of the Spirit into a person, the nature of the Holy Spirit. The nature and properties of the Holy Spirit are unique and differ from the nature of the Father and Son in the sense that in the nature of the Holy Spirit, first, there lack receptors and the need to accept fame. And secondly, there is no self-defense against neglect. This insecurity and nakedness of the Creator in front of the creation plunges the human intellect into complete bewilderment. Genesis 6, 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. And so, from all of what we read, we will make a conclusion that birth from the Spirit is entering into the kingdom of heaven, to reigning with Christ on his throne, which is impossible, without being led by the Holy Spirit, the presence of which we can define according to the lack of receptors and the need to accept fame or self-defense from neglect. Birth from the Spirit is entrance, and entrance is defined by the ability to be led. Therefore, if I am born from water and the Spirit, this is the door that helps me enter into the kingdom of heaven, so that in the kingdom of heaven I can be led by the Holy Spirit. Entrance in order to be led by the Holy Spirit. And how do we define it? Am I led by the Holy Spirit? I am going to have characteristics of the Holy Spirit. I will look like the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit looks like the Father and Son, but He has a unique trait which Brother Akari had highlighted which distinguishes a carnal person from a spiritual person. He lacks the receptors and the need to accept any kind of fame. We can call this kind of a person spiritual. This is the first important and interesting component. Second, birth from the Spirit creates life and carries healing that under no circumstances can be used by the flesh. What kind of healing is this? that cannot be used by the flesh. John 6, 63 It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The words that Jesus spoke that were written by his apostles and carried resurrection and life under the condition that a person accepted them on the conditions of Scripture which in practice means that God placed fullness and freedom from sin, weakness, and illnesses on the accounts of each of us, and our belonging to the account on which is placed our freedom from sin, illness, and weakness is found in the resurrection of Christ. So God has placed something on our account, freedom from sin, illness, and weakness, but this kind of freedom is found on our account, and we can withdraw it through the resurrection of Christ, because of which to take off of our account freedom from sin, weakness, and illness, we must present to the owner of our heavenly bank who keeps our account in heaven evidence of our partaking to resurrection in the format of birth from the Spirit. People who are born from water, they can't withdraw from their account which is placed in heaven. In order to go into the bank and to withdraw, I can't give my card, my young son, he will say, please 
present your driver's license. He says, I don't even know what it is. Well, then you can't take withdraw from this account. You need to be at a certain age. You don't have an account on your account. There's nothing that is there. You are born from water. But when a person is born from the spirit, he learns that inheritance that is found in this account. And where can he withdraw from this account? Only through resurrection. Those who do not understand how they must cooperate with the truth that is contained in birth from the spirit do not and cannot present evidence of their belonging to resurrection in the format of birth from the spirit because of which they cannot withdraw the grace of Christ from their account. Without the presence of this contract expressed in the seal of righteousness, the Lord knows those who are His, we cannot take freedom from sin, weakness, and illness off our accounts. We can receive this seed only by being born from the Spirit and baptism in the Holy Spirit. On its own, baptism in the Holy Spirit without the presence of birth from the Spirit will bring us little benefit. A a quite extended point, so let's provide a conclusion or a summary. A summary is this, that birth from the Spirit is the ability to withdraw from our account in Christ Jesus the grace, but only thanks to the seal of righteousness the Lord knows those who are His, which we accept in baptism in the Holy Spirit, and which we affirm in birth from the Spirit. In other words, Finding ourselves in birth from the Spirit or in resurrection testifies of our successful dwelling in baptism in the Holy Spirit, so, or rather in the death. In other words, God has placed riches on our accounts, and these riches is under a large lock, and there is a key to this lock. Where do we get this key? This key is found in the teaching of resurrection. The teaching of resurrection is birth from water, spirit into the throne. And this key is found in birth from the spirit. We need to have the characteristics of a spiritual person, the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And in order to arrive to birth from the spirit, we need to understand, well, what is baptism in the Holy Spirit give? And pastor says that in baptism in the Holy Spirit, receive a seal. The Lord knows those who are his, but this seal we receive and we affirm it in resurrection. Why is resurrection important? Because resurrection tells us that we have and that we have fulfilled the essence of baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because my ability to speak in tongues doesn't talk or tell me about my spirituality, but the character of Christ and the character of the Holy Spirit can be revealed and shown not in baptism in the Holy Spirit, but what is after it, resurrection, or in being born from the Spirit. Therefore, Jesus isn't enamored by speaking in tongues. He is enamored by the fact that we will be resurrected and we will be in the likeness of Him and in the likeness of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we accept in baptism in the Holy Spirit this seal, the Lord knows those who are His, and we affirm it in birth from the Spirit. These are also like rites. When we come, when we come to... Um, receive the right to withdraw from our account. We come and they say, well, you must pass a test. We come and we learn, uh, we pass a test, they congratulate us and they say, congratulations, you passed the test. And then I ask, can I drive the car? They say, no, now you need to practice. You need to show, show in action that which you know in your head, show in your life. We undergo this practice in the car and we are congratulated. And the instructor says, I congratulate you passed the test. I say, now can I drive? says no now you need to return back to the office you're going to be uh, taken a picture of and you will be given your uh, license which means that you went through the practice part and the theory part and we receive 
this format, this document, and now this allows us to drive and withdraw from our account. Therefore, the golden key is found where in birth from the water? No, in birth from the Spirit, in resurrection. Third, those born from the Spirit can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in their heart and follow this voice. John 3.8 The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Or, so is this with everyone who is a spiritual Christian. Let's look at those definitions that our pastor brother Arkadi had given us. They are very understandable. First, we are talking about how, uh, we hear about the Holy Spirit. What kind of spirit is this? Spirit is the breath of life in the human heart. It is the wind coming before God. It is a spirit of life in the heart of man. It is the ancient, pristine, eternal. It is a breath of coolness amid the heat. It is inspiration by a loved one, location, mood, intention in the inner man, the source in the human heart of thoughts, desires, and feelings. So the Spirit breathes, or the Spirit blows where it wishes. The voice of the Spirit this is referring to, the wind or the Spirit blows where it wishes, is the voice of the Spirit, or sayings and an expression of the thought in the heart of a person. To hear the voice, the Spirit or the wind blows where it wishes, wishes, and you hear the voice, this means to listen, to learn, to understand, to obey and to be submissive to. The Spirit blows. This is the Holy Spirit in the heart of a person born of God. This is the source of the thoughts, desires, and the feelings of God. Now the expression, the Spirit blows where it wishes. The question, where where does it wish to blow, to move, to demonstrate His life? The Holy Spirit demonstrates the breath of life in a heart that is dedicated to God and is hallowed unto Him. the Spirit blows where it wishes this is where he wants to meaning he wants to only there where there is a place prepared for him the heart which is able to hear accept and momentarily obey what is heard if the heart of a Christian is not ready to hear accept and to obey the word it hears then this is the place where the Holy Spirit does not want to be He blows where it wishes, and there must be submission to the Word of God present. We are defining a birth from the Spirit, a spiritual Christian. How do we define him? His heart is that territory where the Holy Spirit wants to dwell. He blows there. He moves there. And the expression, you hear the sound of it, tells us that he who was born of the Spirit can know the voice of the Spirit in his heart, understand it, and obey it. But cannot tell where it comes from, meaning you cannot tell which direction to act until there is direction given from the Spirit. So, a spiritual person, he does not know in advance how to move, and therefore David, as a spiritual person, he ran and asked of the Lord, Lord, can I can I overcome my enemy? You will. Can I take away from him? You will take away. Take a look. As soon as he did not know what to do in advance, he momentarily came to God and he asked of him. This is a spiritual person. Saul never asked questions of God. Samuel came and said, 
What have you done? He said, I thought that this would be better. He said, why did you, why were you not able to ask? Therefore, a spiritual person knows as they answer to all questions. A spiritual person, a spiritual person, he may not know everything in advance, but he will always ask, and then he will be provided admonition. He will be shown the direction. He thought it would be better to ask the witch, and she said, You will die, friend. You are going to be killed. Who are you asking questions? I do not represent the authority of God. And he was killed. This tells us, uh, do not know where it goes, meaning I don't know in advance which direction I should act, but I will always be instructed by the Holy Spirit through the preached word. Do not know where it goes means will lead in an unknown direction, the path of which is unknown and has not been walked before. This is with everyone who is born of the Spirit, meaning this is how everyone born of the Spirit is led by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 42, 14 through 16. I have held my peace a long time. I have been still and restrained myself. And I will cry like a woman in labor. I will pant and gasp at once. I will bring the blind by a way they do not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. And so, what we can conclude is, if a person who is born of water tries to act according to the principles of those born of the Spirit, then he will find himself in the nets of delusion as he will pass off as the voice of the Holy Spirit, either the dreams of his heart or the thoughts of the Spirit of the Seducer. A person who is spiritual is defined by the ability to know the voice of the Holy Spirit in the person whom God has sent, to hear, to understand, to obey, and to be submissive to what is heard. This is what a spiritual person is defined as. The fourth component, those born of the Spirit will be protected from hunger in the land of the Philistines, which will come upon the land of Israel for seven years. This fourth component is a large one, and this is one of the masterpieces which God has presented through our Apostle. For this image illustration, uh, usually when you go into a gallery or when you go into a large museum, then in some uh, uh, rooms there are lots of different images and there's you go into a room and there's one picture. Let's look at Second Kings chapter 8 verses 1 through 6. Then Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. It came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now it happened, as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life. 
appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers, and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. Here there are many different components and we are going to study them. And how can this is, shows us how we can arrive to the adoption of our body. To the arrive, uh, adoption of our body, we need to ask for our inheritance, our land to be returned. There is supposed to be a famine that has to come. We need to be in the land of Philistine, to live in this land of Philistine, so that in this land of the Philistines, we can receive the legal right to our inheritance. And when we return to the land of the Philistines after seven years, then the Lord is going to return to us our land. It is going to be in the format of resurrection. So for this, it is necessary to understand how God adopts our body. And here, this image is presented and prepares us to adopt us so that we don't just concentrate on this, but to adopt our body so that we can meet with the Lord in the air and to always be with Him. For this, it is necessary to have a coinciding body, not just a spirit and a soul, but also a body. And so let's take a look at what is contained for us here. The woman and her house, to which so much space is given in Scripture, is a symbol of the remnant chosen by God and represents the image of the bride of the Lamb in the category of saints born of the Spirit. This woman, being childless at one time, according to the word of Elisha, gave birth to a son, who later died of sunstroke, which symbolizes the wrath of God. But when Elisha prayed for the dead child, the child was resurrected. This child is a symbol of the greatest promise for the sake of which God created the heavens and the earth, and for the sake of which He sent His Son to death and then raised Him up. This great promise is likened to the image of the Son of God, who is the guarantee of our rapture upon the morning star. Take a look at how Pastor Arcadia writes what this promise means in this child. So the promise of adoption and the salvation not just of our spirit, but also our mortal soul and our perishable body. In this child, the Lord has contained the image of the Son of God, and this likeness to the image of the Son of God is the guarantee of our rapture upon the morning star. Many other promises found in Scripture serve this promise for the sole purpose of bringing man into the image of the Son of God and tying him to the vine of the choicest grape. The Philistines, among whom this woman was saved according to Elisha's word from a famine that lasted seven years, this is an image of people living in the land of Canaan but not belonging to this land. These are people whose circumcision in the sight of God was not circumcision. However, the famine that came to the land of Israel for certain reasons do not spread to the land of the Philistines, just on the land of Israel. This is interesting. The famine came to the land of Israel, and through the advice of Elisha, this woman went into the land of the Philistines. 
there has to be such a hunger and thirst for the word of God that we would receive a revelation about the land of Philistine, about our flesh and our blood, so that there we can dwell seven years, and in these seven years to receive this promise of the adoption of our body. Take a look at how God places on the land of Israel a hunger, famine on our spirit in order to save that other land. And so when that she returns from that land and bridles her lips and begins to proclaim the promise, all of her inheritance will be returned to her. This is a very important process. However, the famine that came to the land of Israel for certain reasons did not spread to the land of the Philistines. Just like God blessed the widow of Zarephath of Zidon for the sake of Elijah, who was sent to her house during the famine, in the same way God blessed the Philistines for the sake of this woman, who was sent by Elisha to be saved from hunger. Now imagine that all these events take place in the human nature. The Philistines in our nature represent the stub substance that does not inherit the kingdom of God. This is flesh and blood in its current state. Scripture says that corruption cannot inherit incorruption and mortal cannot inherit immortality. Now, how in this corruptible and in this mortal, how can we adopt this body? How can we place life in it? The land of Israel is a definition of a new man, Hunger in the land of Israel is a thirst for water and a hunger for bread in the subject of thirst led by the Holy Spirit and hunger for the truth of God, which determines in man the presence of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. In practice, such a hunger in this case is seen as bliss or hope or an inheritance contained in truth, which is placed on our account but which we can receive after seven years. Thirst and hunger lasting for seven years during famine is the definition of the fullness in Christ. This was quite some time during this time of the famine. And this def is the definition of fullness in Christ. We want to receive the promise very quickly, but the Lord does not hasten anywhere. The result of such a famine is found in the words of the king of Israel to return to her everything that belongs to her and all the prophets from the field from the day she left the land to this day. So she received her body as a reward in adoption. She left the land. She left the land when in the spirit there was a strong desire, desire for the fulfillment of the will of God, desire for the word of God and the Holy Spirit, which prompted her to run to the land of the Philistines so that the flesh and blood that did not inherit the kingdom of God could be adopted and could inherit in order to reign the resurrection of Christ there. We will read on further. However, before this unnamed woman from Shunem received the revelation that the promise of the morning star in the face of her born son, she can receive only through hunger and thirst for truth. She must meet the requirements of the bride of the Lamb, which are contained in the authority of birth from the Spirit. And now let us take a look at what requirements are necessary for us to have and what requirements this woman had from Shunem, the Shunemite woman, Sulamita. 
and let's look at and see if we have these qualities again we just looked in advance and looked at what famine is that what it prompted her to do how the lord adopts our body how we receive our hope the morning star we understood this but now a question who is going to do this the woman from shunem let's learn a little bit more about her perhaps i don't coincide with these parameters therefore let us read a little bit more about her now it happened one day that elisha again we are returning to the beginning of our text where we are met with this woman now it happened one day that elijah went to shunem where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food so it was as often as he had passed by he would turn in there to eat some food basically the woman from shunem is sulamita because the name sulamita means a woman living in shunem sulamita means peaceful or perfect the riches of sulamita because it is written that she was a rich woman a notable woman was contained in the faith of her heart to be an heir of the kingdom of heaven this faith was food that filled the thirst of the Holy Spirit, who is represented by Elisha. James 2, 5 Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him. So the rich Shunammite, she was rich in faith. She had this inheritance in her heart. And now to receive this inheritance and to receive the fullness of her salvation, salvation of her spirit, soul, and body, the Lord needs to use other principles. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And so a person who passes by us regularly points to the behavior and relationship with the Holy Spirit toward people who are born of the Spirit. John 3, 8, the wind or the Spirit blows where it wishes. He walks there where he wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. He walks he walks by her home and so the wall the wall is an image of the human heart that is born of the spirit and has grown into the full measure of the stature of Christ the small upper room on the wall which she wanted to make for Elisha is the seal of righteousness in the heart of a person called the Lord knows those who were his or the place of worship in which the Holy Spirit finds rest table table for Elisha is the place in the human heart where figuratively there are 12 breads that satisfy God's hunger the chair chair for Elisha is the conscience of a person from the position of which the Holy Spirit brings to life the judgments of the Lord in relation to man himself a lamp for Elisha is the word of faith in the heart of a person that gives light to the ancient path of goodness leading a person to the Heavenly Father Furthermore, it is said of her, and it happened one day that he came there, and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite woman. When he called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, to Gehazi, Say now to her, Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your own behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, 
I dwell among my own people. I paid attention. Elisha, in the presence of this woman, conducts a, dial a dialogue with her, not directly, but through his servant Gehazi. In other words, Gehazi, as it were, serves as a translator in a conversation between Elisha and this woman, or rather an interpreter or a translator. Elisha's servant is an image of the human spirit which directly cooperates both with the Holy Spirit and with our mind. So the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit through our spirit turns to our soul. He does not cooperate directly because the Holy Spirit will never directly turn to our mind, to our intellect, and to have a dialogue with Him, but only through our intuition, which is one of the substances of our spirit. That's why He said, He spoke with this renewed soul, with this Shunammite woman, through Gehazi, through the Spirit. So He said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Gehazi no, knew her need. Actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, Call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, About this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. He said, In one year, uh, the conception happened perhaps uh, close to three months after these words. There were three months necessary to wait. We see how when the Lord says something, He has a certain length of time. When perhaps something is not working, he says, exactly in 12 months, you need to dwell in the teaching of Christ in order for us to bear that promise. And in the beginning, it will seem, well, nothing is working. They blessed, but we can't, we can't conceive. We need to, like Mary, say, let it be to me according to your word. We don't know how long she perhaps had prayed before then. We were shown the end of her prayer. If we were shown how long this woman had prayed, this young girl had prayed, virgin had prayed, this was a warrior of prayer. We were shown on the, the end of her prayer. Let it be to me according to your word. How we want it so easily for someone to come to me and for us to just say, let it be to me according to your word. How easy this was a prayer warrior. And so the old husband is the flesh, which on one hand points to the fact that the flesh cannot use the promises given to the spirit, and on the other hand, this is refusal to hope in the flesh, meaning my husband is old, is old. I do not rely on my flesh, my my intellect. Only a person born of the Spirit can receive the seed of the kingdom of heaven to be the king and priest of God. And this promise is given in the seed of a male child who is to feed all nations with a rod of iron. This is the image of Christ. Furthermore, it is said about this woman, and the child grew. Now it happened 
one day that he went out to his father to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. It is good for our head to hurt, so we stop relying on our head. So he said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. The harvest is the end of age. The child who went to his father to the reapers. This is an attempt to use the promise given to the spirit for the flesh with the means of the intellect. As a result, the flesh was unable to take advantage of this promise just as God struck this promise with a blow of sunlight. And then the old husband in the face of the flesh or intellect, which we no longer rely on, sends through his servant who symbolizes the human mind the renewed mind that is promised to his mother, that is, to the innermost person. Ultimately, all the proclamations of a new person are ineffectual. Let us read on. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, where are you going to him today? He didn't know that his son had died and this dead child was laying in bed, in the bed of Elisha. He says, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the place for me, slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So the fairly rich woman could afford to go to Mount Carmel on some fast-moving camel or on some high-pedigree horse which determined the status of their masters and were available in the stables of all the rich people of that time. However, for certain reasons, she saddled the donkey and commanded her servant to lead her donkey by the bridle and did not stop until she told him to. which indicates the fact that the servant was not informed of the plans of this woman and did not either know either the direction or the goal to which he would lead the donkey with this woman. The servant leading our donkey is the image of our will and our emotions that are in the control of our spirit. A horse, which she did not use, is an image of war and which it is necessary to destroy the works of devil. When Jesus fulfilled his first triumphant march into Jerusalem, he sat on a donkey which no one had had sat on before. But when he returns to Jerusalem to stand as at the head of the thousand-year kingdom, he will enter Jerusalem on a white horse, from the position of which he will destroy the entire army of the Antichrist. The camel was also not used by this woman, the camel was an image of both the bearer of the giver and the bearer of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When Eleazar, as the prototype of the Holy Spirit, went to Mesopotamia to choose a bride for Isaac, he used camels to ride, which were loaded with all the gifts of his master Abraham. And a donkey, which this woman had used from Shunem, is a testimony of peace, which in a relationship with God represents the image of a holy man who presents his body as a living sacrifice 
holy and acceptable to God. It follows from this that a prayer in which a person presents himself to God can be accepted not because a person casts out demons and exercises the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not because a person is on a horse or a camel, but because a person comes to God in Christ Jesus by identifying himself in the sacrificial death of Christ and in his glorious resurrection. Meaning he will come to him and riding on this donkey. Therefore, when we come to the Lord, with the Lord we can return to the thousand-year reign on the horse. He used camels in order to take the bride, but when the bride is going to the Lord, we see that she uses only a donkey. She represents her body as a living sacrifice. Therefore, when we come to God and to pray, I understand that I can't use my camel. I can't, I can't show off to God with some kind of gifts or anointing. And in the presence of God, I don't need to cast anyone out because in the ca- in the presence of God, we need to come go in peace. And she went in the presence of Elisha, which was a prototype of the Holy Spirit. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? We were on these horses, on these camels, camels, and then he will tell them, I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me who practice lawlessness. Therefore, we can come to the Lord only on donkey, or only on Jesus on this donkey, on which no one had sat on before. So to bring, to place ourselves, or to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Furthermore, it says, she departed and went to the mountain of God, man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. Mount Carmel is a garden with vineyards and fruit trees. This is an image of the church. On Carmel there was judgment fulfilled over the prophets of Baal, in whom God showed that he is Lord, and Baal, contending for this right, although he purchased himself as God, is not so. Therefore the true place in which dwells the Holy Spirit, and from the position of which he acts in the interests of those born of the Spirit, is the Church of Jesus Christ. So in order to resurrect our promise, it is necessary to return to Mount Carmel, to that place where Elisha dwells. He dwelled there, he lived there. This was his favorite place, the place upon which Elijah, the prophet, he had committed retribution over the prophets of Baal, and Elisha really liked this place as well. Furthermore, we will read about it. When she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, Did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? So this is usually when we say, when the promise dies in us, and it dies in us when we are immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus and baptism in water, Holy Spirit, and fire. When we are immersed, we don't just die to our nation, household, and corrupt desires, but everything dies. The promise dies also. Everything dies, which has a relation to us with all the promises. And she said, did I ask a son of my Lord, did I not say, do not deceive me? And this is good that a promise dies. It means that we are containing the death of the Lord Jesus and we need to arrive to resurrection. Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be 
on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. This is an image of an unceasing prayer which prompted the Holy Spirit in the face of Elisha to go into the room that she prepared for him so that he could rest and quench his hunger. But now, there where he was, there where he usually laid, lay the body of a dead child. We will read on. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child was not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was a child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. This tells us how the Shunammite, how the Shunammite resurrects the promise. She enters into the mystery room. Practically all of this happens in her. This in the story, it says, she went here, she, she went there, but all of this was found in her when she prayed in the secret room. All of this story was done in the prayer room, in the secret prayer room. Now uh, he went and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house, and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came in to him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. Here she received this promise. She received this promise. And now, it is necessary for this promise to spread it as we read upon all of our essence, upon all of her essence and to adopt her body. So she received this child and then she came to a strong desire to the land of Israel. She went to the Philistine land because this child, when we give birth to him, how do we define that we give birth to the promise of rapture? We will go into the land of Philistine, into the land of Philistine, because we will have a strong hunger and thirst in our spirit in order to adopt our perishable body as well. If we don't have this hunger, then we are not a Shunammite. It doesn't. Uh, we have no idea who then we are. And therefore, she had done this, and she had received in her land her inheritance, this promise, this son, together with the Holy Spirit, had helped to receive her inheritance in the adoption of her mortal soul and her perishable body. This was the interesting fourth component. Fifth, those born from the Spirit can penetrate the depths of God, know the mind of the Lord, and judge the mind of the Lord. We are talking about who are those that are born of the Spirit, spiritual people. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9-16 through 16. I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he 
may instruct him that we have the mind of Christ. The depths of God are the destinies of people that God favors, hidden in God's plans, called by Him to be the inheritance of grace in Christ Jesus. Until a person experiences birth from the Spirit, the inheritance of the grace of God, expressed in the incorruptible inheritance, pure and unfading, no matter how much they talk about it, it will be inaccessible to the eyes of the heart, to the hearing of the heart, and to the understanding of the heart. A very perfect definition that until a person endures birth from the Spirit, then that inheritance that God has placed in heaven, it is going to be inaccessible to the eyes of the heart, to the hearing of the heart, and to the understanding of our heart, that we can see this inheritance in birth from water when we are carnal and infants. We can't see this inheritance. This inheritance is only uncovered for people who are born from the Spirit. And their eyes begin to see the hearing of their heart. Their heart begins to hear and they begin to understand that inheritance. And therefore, this inheritance will not be a special priority for a person in relation to what a person can see, hear, and understand about the capabilities or with the capabilities of his human nature. As a result, a person will not be able to know the purpose given to him from God and will be mistaken about his calling, trying to do what he is not called to do. Or he will do which he was called to do, but not in due time and not by the means that must be used in the work of God. For such a person, the search for God, worship of God, service to God, invocation of God, communication with God, consecration and dedication will be simply formulations behind which, by virtue of their individuality, each person will see what he wants to see, or in general, he will be little interested in such thing. The mind of Christ is the property of a perfect man who has come to the full measure of the stature of Christ. It is the component that defines a person who is born from the Spirit and distinguishes him from a person who is born from water. So it is defined by the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ becomes the component of a perfect man, a spiritual man. The knowledge of these things by itself cannot make the carnal man spiritual, because without humility expressed in the all knowledge of one's place in the body of Christ and selfless service to one another, knowledge will puff a person up. Therefore, the meekness of the heart, which produces the humility of Christ, is the soil of the heart that can successfully use this knowledge to successfully perfect oneself in the faith of God. Is an interesting component in which saints we were shown how we can see this inheritance found in heaven we want to open up our eyes and say Lord it is there but in order to see it we need to close our eyes and we say Lord I can't see anything he says open your eyes what kind of eyes the eyes of your heart how do I open the eyes of my heart okay this means that you're a cardinal an infant to see this inheritance, we need to close our eyes and with our heart begin to see that inheritance that is contained there. But how do I do define if I am seeing this inheritance? By the price that we pay. That currency that we use at the cash register, we can define, have we seen what is there with these eyes? 
of our heart? Take a look at how many components it's important to define. Does my heart see that? We can define it by the price that we pay for the word that we hear. The sixth component, those born from the Spirit are sons who have entered the freedom of Christ, who will be persecuted by sons born according to the flesh. Galatians chapter 4, verses 22 through 30. Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he was born of the bondwoman, was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through the promise. Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Born according to the flesh are people for whom material success is an indicator of their spiritual state. These are people who use the principles of figurative thinking to achieve material things. However, material success by itself has not yet led anyone to peace, because true peace is a relationship with each other built on the basis of the love of God, agape. We have a commandment not only not to desire enrichment, but also to avoid communication with those who desire it and preach it as the will of God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9-11 through 11. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. The will of God has never been and never will be in the pursuit of enrichment, because this wealth is doomed to fire along with the emissaries preaching it as the will of God. And let us remember that people who want to get rich and who, according to their level of prosperity, assess their relationship with God, are under the power of darkness. People who seek incorruptible riches in the face of God Himself who is riches for them, have already been delivered from the power of darkness and introduced into the kingdom of the Son of God. Colossians 1, uh, verses 12-15 through 15, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Abraham had two sons, born of the flesh and born of the Spirit. If we are born from the Spirit, this is to be the son of Isaac who was born according to the promise. So people will have this promise. We previously had read about how we read, how we see, see these promises. We see these promises with our heart. And heart must be able to hear, understand, and see the promise of the Word of God. And this is not referring to rich. So these criteria, people who desire to be enriched, you know that 99% of people who desire to be rich are poor people. They are poor people. If we take all people on planet Earth and we ask a question about enrichment, 
people say, well, I don't want to become enriched. Is that so? Why then did you come to me and spit in your brother's face saying he didn't give me 25 cents? You don't want to become rich? For 25 cents, you hit a person. 25 cents. A millionaire gave as a donation into the Church of God 25 million. A Christian speaking in tongues hit his dear brother because he didn't give him 25 cents. Therefore, we are going to see, not define people to heaven and hell by the size of their wallet, but by their relationship to riches. How closely tied a person is to riches or not. Seventh, the last component. Born from the Spirit are those people who have a living hope or living trust in the incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading inheritance. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And so according to these words, God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, begotten us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to the living trust. And therefore, this place of scripture can rightfully be classified and attributed to the authority contained in the birth from the Spirit and are given to those born to the throne. Because those born of water, infants, carnal people, are separated or dead to the promises contained and placed in the dimension of being born from the Spirit, while the level of hope of people born from the Spirit is based on the rock of the commanding teachings of Christ. Trust in the inheritance contained in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the treasury of the birth from the Spirit and distinguishes the expectation of a person born from the Spirit from the expectations of a person born of water. A revolutionary thought. Trust in the inheritance, we all have the promise, that lays at the door of our hope, reign of the resurrection of Christ in our bodies. Trust in this inheritance containing the resurrection of Christ in the treasury of the birth from the Spirit distinguishes the expectation of a person born from the Spirit from the expectations of a person born of water. So they are going to weigh completely different things from this process. A person born from water will say, soon we're going to be young, soon we are going to be young, beautiful again. Finally, I'm so tired of being sick. This is someone born from water, a carnal person. A spiritual person doesn't say so. He says, oh, come now, Lord Jesus. Finally, we will see the Lord face to face. Finally, our long-awaited meeting is approaching. Completely different expectations and anticipation, one and the same promise, but we wait for two different things. Born from water, wait to receive something in this physical world, born from the Spirit, use that which the Lord will give in this physical world to use it in order to have closeness, closeness and nearness to God. Let's provide an example of a person born from water and a person born from the Spirit. How they look at some things, and here is a perfect example. A person born from water expects healing from God will take healing. 
how a person born from water, a carnal person, how a person born from the Spirit looks at healing. Here's an illustration. A person born from water expects healing from God only on the basis of a ready-made fruit, immediately and right away. This is a carnal person. Please pray for me that God can heal me right now. As some preachers say, for them everything is right now. In America, you go to McDonald's and you ask for it right now. Everywhere right now. You wait for five minutes at the bank. Uh, the, the cashier, she doesn't have enough time to help everyone. But we, we ask right now, right now, you see that there's a young woman, there's lots of transactions and lots of sums and people are asking for right now. We must not hasten, we must not hurt, hurry. There are those born from water, they want it immediately and right away, whereas a person born of the Spirit understands that healing is a therapy. Healing is a therapy in a process of sowing and reaping in which his faith is called to cooperate with the faith of God. Therapy is when my faith cooperates with the faith of God. Based on the seed of healing that he sowed into the good soil of his heart. Thanks to the development and growth of this seed in his heart, a person born from the Spirit receive a, receives a revelation about what kind of inheritance God keeps for him in heaven. And by the power of the powers contained in birth from the Spirit, he opens heaven by faith for the manifestation of the fruit that has occurred from the seed that he sowed in his heart. So thanks to the cultivation and the growth of the seed, thanks to this therapy, we receive the revelation about that inheritance that is contained in heaven. Pastor had beautifully written about this here. How do we behave toward healing as to therapy? Why to a therapy? So that my faith can collaborate with the faith of God. Why should my faith collaborate with the faith of God? So that when we receive healing in a seed, and we receive it in a fruit, we in this time when we receive it in a fruit, we will receive a revelation about that inheritance that is contained in heaven for us. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Before the coming of the Lord, this quality is very important. Long patience, healing as a therapy, this is very important. Here, Pastor Arkady wrote that through this kind of a process of therapy, we begin, like more now than ever, to see that promise that God has placed on our account in the account of each holy person. But we must see it, see it clearly, that then we can clearly pass it on. And let us remember that the one who gave the power to conceive from the seed of the promise contained in birth from the Spirit will not close our room, but will give the power to give birth or to receive this promise. Isaiah 66, verse 9. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I, who cause delivery, shut up the womb, says your God? To wait is to keep the word of patience of Christ. This property is inherent exclusively in people born from the Spirit. To despair in anticipation is to classify oneself as a carnal person. 
again. To wait is to keep the word of the patience of Christ. This property is inherent exclusively in people born from the Spirit and people born to the throne. But to despair in anticipation is to classify oneself as a carnal person. And we saints right now are going to pray and I call upon this place every person who would like to affirm that covenant that God had given to a person to reign resurrect that promise that God has placed on your account. She went to Mount Carnal. She came because the Lord is going to be able to resurrect that promise on Mount Carmel that He has given us. Therefore, I invite not just those who want to repent in their sins, to confess their sin, to receive justification, but also those people who want their male child to be resurrected, and he will die when we are immersed in the death of the Lord Jesus, and we must come upon Mount Carmel here in order to receive our promise. We will wait for you at the altar. Let us pray. I will pray with our prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you he is not against you he has loved us with an everlasting love he has given us the work of his redemption he has stood between us and our enemies 
in order to protect us and in order to lift us up to his level. Your eyes close, this is an element of a mystery room. Your hands raised to the heavens, this is a sign that our hands are without anger and doubt. Pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and upon this holy place in the congregation of your holy saints I uncover my heart so that you can see my pain, my suffering, my wounds that have been brought on by sin and lust which I despise and which I reject. I come to you with my dependencies, with sin that has held me captive, with illness, with fears, with a wounded dignity and a wounded shame. I ask you to forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wound. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that according to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, I am saved. Your sins and transgressions are forgiven you in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look down upon you with His holy countenance and have mercy upon you and give you peace. May around you fall thousands and tens of thousands around you but not draw near you. May upon you fall the blessings of the ancient hills and everlasting mountains. May with a noise be cast out from your body the power of death and in its place may the power of resurrection be lifted up. May all of this come upon you and upon all of your descendants and may all of the people say, Amen. Let us listen to the word of God standing. The first letter of Apostle Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged, but when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Please be seated. I will once again allow myself to remind us who has a right to participate in the breaking of bread. In the breaking of bread, and communion can be partaken by only a person who has sealed his faith with baptism in water. Scripture says that whoever believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God will be saved. But if faith has not expressed itself in baptism, 
then this is going to be lost. Scripture says, whoever believes and will be baptized, he shall be saved. That's why all of those who have made a covenant of blood in baptism and water were made, meaning their faith was sealed, can partake in communion. Those who are 16, 17, 18, for whatever reason, they couldn't because it happens only once a year annually that we have water baptism. Then if you have a desire, it will be this year, in the middle of the year, closer to spring, then you can partake. But if a person refuses this and pushes this date further out so that he can perhaps become better, one person says, you know who I was? I was a criminal. I say, what are you going to do? I'm going to, without Christ, become a little bit better so that then when I become better, I will come and be baptized in water. No, there are thieves that come to Christ. They repent, accept justification. They are baptized in water. And then with Christ and the Holy Spirit, they become better. He says, okay, well, I'm going to try to become better without Christ. And then I will make a covenant with Christ. This is unfortunate, sorrowful. That's why all of those who have made a covenant of blood in baptism of water with God. Let us please stand, and we are going to pray for the bread. Please raise your right hand, a symbol of your righteous act, and I will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this broken body of Jesus Christ in the dignity of this bread when it will go along the rows of your holy people and we are going to eat of it. May the power of your might and may it overcome death and may it swallow it up in our bodies. May our bodies be healed through the partaking of this in this bread. We thank you for the healing of our bodies and we bow down before you, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And he had taken the break, broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please sit, and that road that is approached may stand, and we will serve one another. While we are partaking of this bread, I would like to remind us certain principles that we had heard on Friday that were given to us by our pastor. The book of Job, chapter 5, 17 through 24. Blessed is the man whom the Lord chastises and provides admonition, for he wounds, but he himself binds. He wounds, but his hands make whole. He shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven no evil shall touch you. In famine he shall redeem you from death, and in war from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue, and you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction and famine, and you shall not be afraid of the beasts of the earth, for you shall have a covenant with the stones of the field, and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with you. And you will know that your tent is in peace, and you shall visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss. Here for us are presented the revelations of God, how the Lord provides admonition for us. The Lord provides admonition through punishment. There are different kinds of punishment. There is punishment when the Lord provides admonition and we punish ourselves. This is there is when we provide admonition when we refuse to punish ourselves, then He out of His love toward us punishes us. We read a place of scripture in the book of Corinthians 
that that if we were to be judged, then we would not be judged. Whoever is judged, by being judged, we are that we may not be condemned with the world. The Lord wants us to punish ourselves, and for this He had died. For each time when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. for God to deliver us from those troubles that are going to come into this world. But first they will come into the Church of God. The Lord wants us to be delivered from seven troubles which are found inside of us, which are found in the old man. And if we are not rid of these seven troubles in us, then when the Lord comes into His Church, then we are not going to be protected from His anger. We know that the first time he came on a donkey, he came with peace. Before his coming, he's not going to come on a donkey. He will come on a horse and he will come and visit his church, visit this earth in order to judge, to judge the church, to judge the people of Israel, to judge this world. He will come as judge. And we must know about this and be prepared for this meeting with our Lord. And when we say soon and very soon we will see the Lord, we must understand what kind of Lord we are going to wait and see. And here are the seven troubles that we need to be rid of before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must kill them in ourselves. This is a proud look. This is a lying tongue. These are hands that spill innocent blood. This is a heart that has evil thoughts. These are fit feet that are swift to running to evil. This is a false witness speaking lies. And this is one who sows discord among brethren. If these qualities are going to be present, or at least one of these qualities will be present, we will not be able to use the name of the Lord, you are my deliverer. He is going to judge us, not punish us. He punishes us before his coming. And if we did not punish ourselves or we did not react to his punishment, when he comes, he's not going to punish, he's going to judge. To declare his decree and to carry out his decree to those who had rejected him. And we know how it's necessary to all of these seven troubles that are found in our old man, how to destroy them. Pastor beautifully shown the image of the Gibeonites. During the time of David, there was a hunger for three years, year after year. And David had opened, uh, in his heart he had opened Job. Scripture says, if you have hands that shed innocent blood, then during famine, God will not deliver you from dead. People are dying all around. Lord, what is happening? He says, good. This came upon you 
because I want to punish Israel for their blood thir- for the bloodthirsty house of Saul. And David said, What do I do? What do I do so that this punishment could end? He says, Ask the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites, when he had called them over, says, David says, What shall I do for you that the Lord stops judging us? They said, Out of the house of Saul, give us seven people out of his descendants. And David gave seven people, and they hung them on the cross. So the Gibeonites, who are an image of our lips, but what kind of lips? These are meek lips. These are lips that are given over to be servants of righteousness. Not all Christians have Gibeonites. Not all Christians have this substance that will be able to nail before the Lord all seven of these qualities on the cross. Let us stand and pray. Pray for the cup. Please raise your high right hand a symbol of your righteous act, and I will bless it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cup of the new blood that has been poured out for the deliverance of sins. When it goes through the rows of your people and when we drink of it, may the might of your life come and may it overcome death and swallow it up in our bodies and in our souls. We thank you that you have blotted out our sins before your countenance. You have redeemed us from the vain life that is passed on from our forefathers. We bow down before you and before the cup of the new covenant, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. That road that is approached may stand, and we are going to continue to, again, serve one another. And so, if we allow these Gibeonites, meaning our lips, our lips that are given over to be servants of righteousness, if we allow them to conduct this judgment, each of these components, each of these qualities, the Lord says that then He is going to be our deliverer. He is going to deliver us. And here are the components which He's going to deliver us from. During famine, God will deliver us from death. This is from the spiritual death that this is referring to. And this is not a hunger for uh, for water and bread, but this is hunger for hearing the Word of God. Scripture says that People will walk from sea to sea to find the revelation of the Word of God and they will not be able to find it and they are going to die. While while the supermarkets of the biblical stores that are filled with all kinds of books, people are going to die with a spiritual death. And these are signs of the end times. But he says, I'm going to deliver you. During hunger, God is going to deliver us from the spiritual death. In war, God will deliver us from the sword from the sword and death will not be able to do anything to us it will not be able to overcome us because we received authority from the second death because each time we eat this bread and we drink this cup we declare the lord's death and he with his death overcame death and therefore death in all its faces and all its expressions was fully fully overcome by the lord jesus christ Third, we will deliver it from the scourge of the tongue. When 
Husbands, wives yell at each other. In this moment, this is when we grow quiet. Perhaps we wait until the evening or until the end day. We must not yell. We must have the opportunity to hide from the scourge of the tongue. Because if we begin to respond to one another, we will not arrive at anything good. We will just cause resentment in one another. And if we have an opportunity to have the ability to hide from the scourge, God says, I will make you a scourge. You with your lips are going to be able to overcome all lawlessness. I will hear your prayer. This is very important for us to know how we react when we are hit with a scourge. Furthermore, we are not going to be afraid of destruction when it comes. We will laugh at destruction and famine, and we are not going to fear the beasts of the earth. The beasts of the earth are called people who resist the preached word. Apostle Paul says that when I was in Ephesus, I fought with the beasts. He was asked, what kind of beasts are these? He says, people that had resisted my the preached word. I fought with them, and I overcame them, because the Lord had made me this uh, scourge. And we are not going to be afraid of the beasts of the earth because we are going to have a different component. Scripture says, why will not be afraid of beasts of the earth? Because we will have a union with the stones of the field. And the stones of the field, Scripture is viewing those precious saints that are in our church. We will have a union of love between them, between us. And we also have peace with the beasts of the field. Beasts of the earth are the wicked and lawless, but the beasts of the field are my emotions and feelings that are made dependent on my spirit. Well, in the beginning, I also had the beasts of, beasts of the earth there. They cried out. They had made themselves known. These beasts of the earth were in me, in the old man. But then they became beasts of the field when I placed my emotions and my will completely dependent on my renewed thinking, which in turn began, became dependent on the Spirit, and the Spirit became dependent on the Holy Spirit, or on that word which the Lord gives through the lips of the messengers of God. All right. If whoever has been missed, please stand. If not, let us all stand and proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling, and to present us faultless before the presence of His glory in unblemished joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.